You know, I never know where the faces come from. They just pop up. Here's the doctor. He has walked this universe for centuries untold. He has seen stars fall to dust. The Doctor needs us, you more than anyone. He is lost in the room of himself, and we must bring him home. The Doctor! What's he doing here? There is trouble. Where else would you be? Question is, have there been any similar murders? The game is afoot. Bring the carriage, now! Ah! It is our intent to leave. If it is your intent to stop us, Perhaps we should get down to business. It's about how far I will go to protect them because I've already come a very long way. Hold your breath! The restaurant is closed. The Discussing Network presents Discussing Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I am Kyle Jones, and I want to welcome back. Let's start off great with, you know what? I'm going to not remember if this is left or right. I'm just going to say alphabetically, North Carolina goes for Texas. Lee Shackelford, <laughs> geography lesson, uh, first yeah. of the year, 2022. Woo-hoo. How are you, my friend? I, I was sure you're going to Clarence because it goes before Lee, but... I am well. Back from my recent engagement at death's door, but uh, I got the finest antibiotics that money can buy, and I'm back among the living. Well, I swear I can take a deep breath now that I know that you're feeling better. Yes. But Clarence Brown, my friend, how are you? I'm doing great, but Kyle, you are so flawed in your logic because everything is bigger in Texas. You should know this. That is true. You know. Therefore, I should go first. Obviously. Oh, I see. Yes, you know, so it sounds like from better, what you yeah. just said, egos are definitely bigger in Texas. So, <laughs> Clarence Brown, let's start this over. Clarence Brown, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Glad to be on with you guys. Awesome. Well, glad to be here. You know, this is not what I was expecting my review of Deep Breath to be. I've talked about on this show, you know, when we get to Deep Breath, that's when I turn against Clara. I surprised myself, and I can't wait to get into this. Before we go further, we do have some feedback from our friend Sarah Warren. Sarah says, I'm so glad everyone enjoyed this episode, and she's referring to Eve of the Daleks. She said that she thought the guests on the show were fantastic, and she really appreciates that this story was small and insulated because the poor universe needed a break. (laughs) Yeah. What's left of it? What's left of it? Exactly. What's left of it? Yes. I, you know, I'm always glad to hear from people. And Lee, speaking of people, if mm. we have not just people, but anyone listening for the very first time, or if you've been listening to us for years, what do you like to tell people? I'd like to tell people, welcome aboard and and thank you, because obviously there's a million billion things you could be doing, and you've chosen to spend this time with us. So thank you very much. Indeed. And if you are enjoying the episodes, which we hope you are, please like and review us on your favorite podcast player. Subscribe to us. We would appreciate it. But leave us a review because leaving us a review helps us get discovered. And again, we greatly, greatly appreciate it. So, gentlemen, I don't have any other news, and that means I need to say, if you have not seen Deep Breath, put us on pause, go out, 
watch the episode, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. Affirmative. Spoilers. Spoilers? What spoilers? And I killed Sparky, too. Alrighty, the spoiler warning has gone out and we are back to review Deep Breath. This is the first episode of the 2014 series of Doctor Who, first airing on the 23rd of August, 2014. It starred Michelle Gomez as the yet-to-be-revealed Mystery Woman, Peter Capaldi as the 12th Doctor, Jenna Coleman as Clara Oswald, and the episode also features the last televised appearances of, as of this recording at least, of Vastra, Jenny, and Strax. <sighs> so, summary view. Clarence Brown, I'll start with you. Summary view. What did you think? Man, I just realized as you were talking that you're going to make me hate this era. <laughs> Why is that? Because, you know, I may be forced to say something nice and <laughs> that notion just makes me sick. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I always thought you were a nice person. Well, you know, I try. But yeah, as far as this episode, it, I think this episode gets a bad rap from a lot of people just because of what Clara is going through. And that's very understandable. But I would argue that, you know, the doctor came to a realization of his own in this episode. I think it was very enjoyable, as we mentioned uh, um, Vast Virginia and Strax were fabulous as always. I want more of them, actually. And yeah, I just I just feel like this entry of a new Doctor is probably underrated. I really enjoyed it. Uh, same here. Although, I, I wonder how much of my experience of it was tainted by my memory of it. Because I remember that I did not care much for the, um, the clockwork people. They're, they remind us of the ones from the girl in the fireplace, and it turns out that they actually are connected to the ones from Girl in the Fireplace. Mm. You know, ho hum. So I really, really loved the first half of this episode. I was, I was bugged that it didn't uh, quite meet up to that. It couldn't sustain it to my, mm. to my uh, mind. But, um, but boy, I loved so many things in the the first part of this, including, you know, it's the beginning of a new era. So I remember that we came to our set saying, okay, let's see it. Let's see the new Doctor Who, <laughs> this new season. Mm. And the first thing we got was a Tyrannosaur. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we said. <laughs> so mm. that's, that's me. How about you? You know, I remember, so I'm, well, let me say this. I am really excited to get into Series 8, the 2014 series, because of all three of Capaldi's series. This one was always my least favorite. Hmm. But I feel like I am a newly regenerated Kyle for some reason because I went away liking this so much more than I have liked it previously. I mean, there are bits and pieces of it that I've loved, but I've gone on record to saying time and time again, this is where I turn against Clara. And I'm going to eat crow a little bit because... I'm a little sympathetic of Clara in this watch. And I think this is what is so cool about going back and seeing stories that we've not seen for years and then go back and watch again and literally, no pun intended for the story, see them with a new set of eyes. Yeah. So I really enjoyed it. 
But let's start at the beginning. The very beginning, we see Victorian London, and we were talking about Vastra, Jenny, and Strax. And Lee, I'll start this time with you first. Let's talk about this whole opening scene from the moment we see the dinosaur up through or up until we see the opening credits because I want to talk about them separately. Yes. So what was your thought on all of what was going on there? Thank you for asking me because I, I had a special note about this. Sometimes in filmmaking, you talk about the burning fuse. And you you want to you want people to 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 see where the spark is and for their eye to follow it you know and for your interest to follow it if you're cutting from thing to thing so what a great way to begin this season we see a tyrannosaur okay so I guess we're in the distant past huh and then we <laughs> cut to a different angle and it's a tyrannosaur roaring at the houses of parliament and Big Ben is striking okay we say. <laughs> <laughs> um all right we're not in the distant past and we're in london okay and then we see people on the street and we see the way they're dressed and you go all right <laughs> one two three we are in fact in victorian london and then we settle down and we see jenny and vaster and we say yeah here we go and how could the how could the thing have traveled through time and it seems to be choking on something yes it is and then into the opening titles. Wow. It'll be what a great, great uh, teaser. Just, just fantastic. Yeah, yeah. We get right into the fun. I thought it was great to see Vastra doing her thing. And I loved how in this iteration, I, I guess I don't remember that clearly of the last few times we saw her, but I didn't believe she was as out in the open as she is at, as, at the start of this. I mean, even Strax as well. So. I thought that was interesting to see that now they have their own community around them that apparently love and trust them, which I thought was pretty interesting and cool. But yeah, we we get right into it hot and heavy with the dinosaur and we see, you know, Peter Capaldi come from the TARDIS, a very beaten up TARDIS, by the way, and and start to do the new Doctor I Don't Remember Anything thing. So <laughs> You've got a dinosaur too. <laughs> yes. His official first line of the episode is, shh. Yes. <laughs> I love the fact that you give the viewer a little bit of tapestry from history, you know, and they're weaving this tapestry around the story of giving us something familiar, making us feel comfortable, making us feel safe, and then present us with, shh new doctor you know i think that's very wise in storytelling to make your audience feel that way mm -hmm. then present something that's unfamiliar for some reason the visual of clara really stuck with me considering that this is the same outfit she had on when he regenerated in mm -hmm. the yeah. time of the doctor and i know you know it's been months you know, blah, 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 blah. But as far as the story's going, it puts you right in that mindset of this is right after we saw, you know, you happen to know how to fly this thing. Mm -hmm. And I loved, loved, loved that. Before we get to the new theme, there is something that I want to mention. Right at the very beginning, before the new theme starts, conversation between Clara, Jenny, and Madame Vastra. And I absolutely love that because the dialogue is taken from two scenes, one being 
between Jackie Tyler and Rose in The Christmas Invasion in the part where one says, I don't understand, where's the doctor? And then she says, you know, that's him, that's the doctor, that's Jackie and Rose. And then when Vastra says, well, then here we go again, that's from the Planet of the Spiders, what Mm -hmm. the Brigadier said when the third doctor regenerated into the fourth. Love the throwbacks there. And people listening to this show would not know that you always kick us off on our Skype recording by saying, here we go again. <laughs> yeah. Well noticed, I, my friend. Cheers. I thought that's what Cal said, not the doctor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's mm. uh, Brigadier. <laughs> oh, Brigadier. Brigadier. <laughs> so, Clarence, I want to ask you first, new opening sequence that we see. Mm. Thoughts? Uh, one of my favorites. One of my favorites, because in some ways, to me, it's one of the least abstract because we were getting pure, uh, clear pictures of gears and circles, you know, the round things. And <laughs> I just feel like it's very well done and it has to be one of my favorites just because it's less abstract than the other ones. So I, I, I really like it. What about the actual music? Because this is the arrangement that, well, I'll get into it in a minute. But what did you think of the arrangement? Uh, it was fine. I don't think it jumped out in any way in particular to me, but uh, it was fine. What did, what did you guys think? I, I'm not a fan. I, I really love the visuals of this of season eight opening titles. There's something missing uh, about this variation of the theme. I just I, I just never never warmed to it. That's me, I guess. But the but the clocks and the uh, the Gallifrey and writing and the uh, uh, all the gears and things like that yeah love it love it this is my second favorite opening title sequence visually second only to the uh the 1970s one which you know i probably just love because that to to me for years that was doctor who Uh, yes 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 so for me i'm agreeing with you guys i love love the visual you know i love the the twirling clock and all of that i love it love it love it the Music, when I first heard it, I had to go back a couple of times and listen to it because I really thought that I was playing it at the wrong speed or something because mm. it had this almost weird... Un- okay, you, you, you know, like if you back in the day where you when you could put a record on a record player and you could play it at three-fourths speed or something, mm. it kind of had that sound to it, mm. but... As I listened to it over and over throughout the years, it grew to me. It kind of endeared to to me. I will tell you this. I would take it any day over the pulsating thing that we have now. Yeah. And the music that we have now, no offense, but I would take this version any day over what we have now. Just my personal, personal preference. I need to listen to them sort of side by side, as it were, but I think you're you're picking up on something that i hadn't thought about consciously that when you play a recording faster its pitch goes up in addition to it being shorter in time and i think this is in a different key than we're accustomed to i think it is higher Mm. interesting so do that because i'm curious if it's you know and is it because I can't hear as well that I pay more attention to weird things of sound. Well, sure. Does that make sense? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, think about think about the original, the, the Delia Derbyshire, you know, the, the first, the very first version of it. 
the first thing we get is doom, 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 doom. It's way down there. Indeed. And this is way up there. Yeah. You know, this is sort of like I, I know what it is. You know, if you have, and I, again, I'm not, I'm not a musician, so I don't. But you know, there's the the sharp and the flats when mm-hmm. you're playing a piano. It's almost like it was a. I'm just for the B flat whenever mm-hmm. it was originally B or something like right. that. But yeah, that, that, that's what I was saying. Is that it's it's in a different key, and I think key. it's a higher. Uh, okay. Yeah. See, I told you I'm not yeah. a musician. Yeah. I was going to mention also, like, uh, we get to see the doctor speak dinosaur in that intro part as well, which I thought was pretty cool. Even so, he even goes so far, and you lead into something else I was going to say, which is, what did you think about the doctor, even asleep, translating dinosaur? I, I, I love that, yeah. but I, And I don't want to skip past this moment that I love from this episode when Vaster demonstrates a Silurian superpower that we didn't know she had. She lures him into a position where she can knock him out. <laughs> and she does it psychically. She doesn't touch him. But, you know, he says, uh, you know, with a, with a mind like mine, you know, this is going to be like me dropping a piano on you. So, you know, just brace yourself. Wunk. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the one who gets it instead. So he said, well, that's a handy yeah, that was interesting. Vaster has. But yeah, uh, if you think about it, we're, we're learning about this doctor now. We in the audience are, are going to try to figure out if we like him or not. And he's being weird. He literally can't tell Strax from Clara, having trouble with the names of things and so on, and juxtapositions of realities. So, you know, we have nothing to, to go on. So here's our first clue about who he is. He hears the dinosaur... And what he understands is, I'm lost, and I'm alone, and I'm afraid. And that's what stirs him to action, finally. You know, that's that's my doctor. So, Clarence, what was your initial takeaway, assuming for a minute that you don't know anything else about this doctor yet? What was your initial takeaway from him? You know, I haven't seen more of Tom Baker's doctor some of his mannerisms kind of reminded me a lot of Tom Baker, but you know, I think this is standard fare for when, at least if you're going from the David Tennant regeneration, this is kind of, we're going through the same motions here of frantic, very, I wouldn't even say delusional, just kind of <laughs> all over the place as a doctor can be sometimes, but he was very frantic and all over the place. And to comment further on what Lee said about, how he's feeling this empathy for this this dinosaur that he's brought to the future. I thought that was really interesting as well. So, I mean, he was all over the place with sparks of brilliance in there where you can see, you know, maybe what this doctor is going to be shining through just a little bit. And I always find that kind of weird because I, I feel like we get this, and this is a bad comparison, but go with me here. <laughs> There's a scene in The Phantom Menace where Anakin gets into the Starfighter and just start pressing buttons. <laughs> and he like goes off and winds up destroying one of the Imperial, well, it might have been an, which, the, the Separatist uh, bases. He just winds up destroying it. Yeah. I, I kind of felt like that a little bit with this doctor in the very beginning because, of course, we know the doctor's brilliant and his 
he's coming to these revelations just because he's brilliant and he's a doctor. But it, some of it felt like it was just kind of too scatterbrainy. I don't know if that makes any sense, but or just happenstance. Like they let this go, this guy go jump into the the Thames. Was it the Thames? <laughs> and they don't go chase after him at all. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, he's a little delusional, guys. We need to help him. <laughs> Do something. For me, I remember watching this one. I was drawn to Capaldi's doctor at first. I liked the manicness of him. And honestly, I think I was still expecting the manicness of Matt Smith. And I maybe that's why I liked him. And then when he stopped having the manic, I kind of stepped back a little bit. But what I'm excited about more than anything with this doctor is... I'm going to say that of all the doctors we've seen 2005 forward, his tenure, the story of the arc of the 12th doctor, I think the doctor goes on a further growth experience from this moment to twice upon a time. I think if you look at the doctor here, and you look at the doctor in Twice Upon a Time, still Peter Capaldi, still 12th Doctor, but I go so far as to say they are almost unrecognizable, in my opinion, mm-hmm. how much he has grown as a character between this episode and Twice Upon a Time. And yeah. I'm excited to, to go through this process again. Mm-hmm. Gentlemen, let's get into Clara. I want to know what your thoughts are. And Clara, Clara, I want to know what your thoughts are. And Clarence, I have to start with you because I know Clara is your favorite. What are your thoughts on Clara's issue with the doctor? And what would you describe her issue as being? I really thought about this because I knew it was coming up. And I think it's just excellently explained by Jenny when she's having a conversation with Clara. When she speaks of Vastra, she speaks that she loves her. She doesn't like her. She loves her. You know, that made me kind of think, okay, people change over time. You know, the person you married when you were in your 20s is not going to be the same person when you're old and look very different. You're older age and slower and <laughs> It's just not going to you're going to change over time. The thing that's going to keep you with that person is not is going to be that love for that person. That person is going to change, but you still love them. And to me, that's kind of the realization that Clara had to have in this episode. And and to Clara's defense, to Jenna Coleman's defense, they really played it hard on her behalf just to get that message out to us, the viewer, us, the the watcher of this, this, this series. Oh, you love the young guy. You love the whippy snappy young guy. Do you really just like the doctor or do you love the doctor? Cause we're changing them up. We're going to make them older, a little more gruff. Uh, <laughs> this is a, is a test. Do you love the doctor? Or do you just like them? And they very much made Clara like the, the, the surrogate for the audience in, in this situation. And they really played heavily on that for the character. And I do think that even Clara knowing, and I think this is one of your big hangups, Kyle, Clara, she's seen several iterations of the doctor, but that uncertainty that this next iteration 
may be different or is going is this going to be different we know he's going to be different mm. so um it was interesting interesting to see clara work through that with the help of of uh madame vastra okay i want to hear what lee says but clarence i'm going to surprise you i promise or at least i hope i surprise <laughs> you lee go for Not it if you keep saying that um it's <laughs> i admire so very much Stephen moffat sort of having the casting and saying we we will have to address this because Peter Capaldi is a lot older than Matt Smith and why would his regeneration <laughs> give him you know a face and body that appears to be older and Matt Vaster says you, you you just weren't thinking about how old he really is mm. um you know this is immaterial he still doesn't look his real age <laughs> you know <laughs> and and the choice to instead of pretending like it doesn't matter as we have often done in the past you know, it's just just irrelevant. He's got a companion here for whom it does matter. I just think it was really brave to take that head on and to go so far as to script this scene with Madame Vastra where Clara loses her temper. She's mm. outraged at the idea, the very idea that she loves the doctor because of what he looks like. Mm. And but we're even then we're not sure that she's being entirely honest with herself. <laughs> so it, it, it's it's wonderfully complex and you need an actor of the kind of ability of jenna coleman to be able to play that because the camera is right on her face you know it's 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 almost touching her it's so close and we see mm. it all go by in, in behind her eyes that wait a minute you can't say that to me you have no right to say that to me it, it's 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 just a incredibly powerful sequence and i i just love the way they all play it everybody in the scene just fantastic yeah. i'm i don't want to jump ahead here but we mm. but i'm afraid i will forget it but you mentioned her playing a scene with her eyes she does yeah. that again and we'll get to that at the end but there is a scene at the end that the playing with the eyes is just as much if not more profound <laughs> toward the end of something that she does I was just going to add really quick. It's so meta to the what Lee just explained, and we can even take it and bring it up until Jodie Whittaker's era. How dare you challenge my love for the doctor just because the doctor is a woman? You yeah, know? yeah, that's right. Really interesting conversation around that. Oh. It's interesting how they're tackling it here. Right, <laughs> but that's a great point that that we know that people in the audience are going to have trouble. With. So yeah. we take we tackle it head on here. It's just just fantastic. You know, and this is going to sound like I am throwing shade or being salty. Maybe I am. Maybe I am a little bit. But I actually thank Chibnall for me going into this with a different set of eyes. And I guess the salt or the shade is going to be because I was so excited to get back into something that I really enjoy more so than I've gone on record saying I'm not that big of a fan of the way Chibnall has done. We all know that. I, it did any prejudice that I had toward Clara as a character or any dislike mm -hmm. or whatever that I've, venom or whatever I've had, salt, blah, blah, for the years. I went into it with a clean set of eyes and came away with a different appreciation for it. And here's how I did that. I kind of had a light bulb moment watching this because when we're having the conversation first with Jenny that you guys are talking about, then with Vastra, 
the back and forth, the light bulb moment that I had was when Clara says, why did he get that face? It's brand new. Why is it wrinkled? It was like my go-to argument has been, she's seen multiple versions of him and the doctor. In Day of the Doctor, there were three versions there, and she knows blah, 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 blah. But it never occurred to me that she might assume that all versions of the doctor start young. Yep, yep. It never freaking occurred to me. And that that was staring me in the face in the words that they said, but my mumble jumble never got that. And when it when I did, everything I saw from that point forward was completely in a new light. Cool. So Clarence, I am taking back anything I have ever said <laughs> about Clara. Because seriously, it took it, it presented and shifted everything I saw from that point forward literally in this story was like wow she's wrong and in, mm-hmm. in the sense of it's not always a young face but i can't fault her for that assumption right yeah that, that that's a great insight i think and and you know the, the funny thing about her experience in uh, day of the doctor is that this old man that she she sees she she looks into his eyes and says he's the youngest in them all that mm-hmm. he, he actually was that that doctor for a long, long, long time. Yep. Yep. How interesting. And she saw Matt Smith grow old too. Yes, that's right. And she she's only knows ten just a little bit here. <laughs> but he's clearly mm-hmm. a young man, young, handsome man. So why would she think any different? I'm liking Clara. So seriously, yeah. this is going to be me going into this with a new set of eyes for all this story. You have good eyes. <laughs> let me add real quick too how i felt more than i did before of watching this that the doctor was trying to find clara as well i mean of course we know he was in his confusion you know fresh regeneration but you can see several times he misnames her which we can chalk that up to the regeneration but it still felt like in a small way especially with the newspaper and them meeting in the restaurant it was like they were trying to slightly show him finding her as well in this episode. I was saying that I was going into it with a new set of eyes. We're looking at it really, really hard. I might consider myself having angry eyebrows. So let's talk about the scene in the alleyway with the angry eyebrows. Lee, why don't you take that? What was your thought of the doctor and I believe the character's name was Barney? In the alleyway. <laughs> yeah, in New Who, at least. Well, no, we have this in uh, Classic Who as well. There, There is the mirror moment where he gets to look at himself for the first time, sometimes complaining about his nose or his ears. But this time, he's just surprised because he recognizes his face, but he doesn't think it's him. Mm. And even though we have seen this before in Classic Who, this is the first time that it ever gets acknowledged outright. The actor has been on the show before, <laughs> playing a different character. So now we're going to come up with an in-canon explanation. And he says to Barney, I, you know, I never know where the faces come from. They just pop up. And then and we have this uh, fan discussion that I love about uh, whether or not choosing your face is something that you are taught if you're a Time Lord, and that our 
our doctor just never bothered to, you know, he, he skipped school that day <laughs> because Romana can do it. So he does it subconsciously. And yeah, he, he knows that he saw, he saw this face in Pompeii, but he's not yeah. sure what the point here is. But yeah. And at and, this point, I don't think he remembers that he saw it in Pompeii. No, apparently not. So it's still a mystery. So Clarence, what about you? What did you think of this scene with in the alley? Everything Lee said, totally agree. I love the comment about the he kind of crapped on the scarf a little bit in that scene as well. <laughs> <laughs> did he did he beat up that homeless man and take his clothes? Thank you. <laughs> One of two scenes I'm confused of in this episode. He says that he gave him his watch. Ah, uh, okay, okay. I didn't catch that, so that makes sense, I guess. Well, that's what he says. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he also says he bought that coat. <laughs> so who knows? You know, that was the first time I think that we've ever seen the doctor be that vicious, I think. And that's a good way to put it, because he basically says, you know, I'm cold. Better, you know, give me your coat. It's better that you be cold than me. And that will relate to the, the end of the episode as well. Indeed. Hey, give give him a break. He's grown Scottish. Yes, indeed. He's I'm Scottish. I can complain about things. And <laughs> and let's just do this very quickly in our minds. Times when the doctor has just plain stolen clothes after his regeneration. <laughs> the third doctor does it. Four and five both get theirs in the TARDIS. Six, God knows where. Seven. <laughs> um the eighth doctor steals his clothes. Mm -hmm. Um Yeah, and eleven. That's at least three times that <laughs> just just plain stolen clothes <laughs> and then wears them from then on. So the thirteenth doctor almost does, but then I think the others have to pay for them. So that's right. Yeah. But they come yeah, from he went to a proper shop. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Before we move on, I do want to mention that the guy who played Barney, his name was Brian Miller, and he is the husband of the late Elizabeth Sladen. Yeah. Mm. So cool little tie-in there. Did not know that. So speaking of the doctor's wardrobe, let's jump into the scene, the first restaurant scene, or or at the first time we see the restaurant, and you see Clara waiting for the doctor, and the doctor comes in smelling rank, I believe, and we have this scene in the restaurant. So. Clarence, why don't you start with this one? What did you think of the this back and forth with the three of them? Mm, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there's a lot to take away from it other than they were obviously trying to get to know each other again. It was, I guess, ironic that they both saw the same ad in the paper <laughs> and thought the other one sent it. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I thought it was pretty interesting to get them to, to see them start to get to know each other a little bit more. Oh, oh, lots of many things. I just think this is a terrific scene. Clarence's observation before that the, this is an almost uh, Tom Baker-like doctor here made me realize that I can totally see uh, the fourth doctor in this scene. Just sort of, you know, not looking at what's going on, but but asking his companion Look, uh, look at the other people. Don't look at them. You just said to look at them. I mean, look without looking. You know, that, that's, that's so fourth doctor. What are, what, are they, what are they not doing? They're also not breathing. Um, mm. it's, it's, I think it's a great scene, and I, I could talk about it 
probably far too long. This little game that that he's playing with her, I think Clarence is right. The, in this episode, the doctor's trying to figure out who he is, but he's also trying to figure out who Clara is while she's trying to figure out who he is. And he demonstrates that he knows her, but in very unflattering terms. Yeah. And and she really gets incensed by this because he's being insulting. But, you know, he, he says, uh, I didn't write it down, but I just thought it was a great little logical loop where he says, look at what's going on in the restaurant. And she says, wait a minute, you just called me an egotist. And he says, you know, there's something more important than your egotism right now. And she says, there's nothing more important than my egotism. <laughs> I love that. Oblivious to the fact that she's just proven his point. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, he, he talks about her being controlling and. Um, yeah. They do the same thing with the controlling controlling bit, too. Yeah. Uh, by the end of it. Yeah. Good she, stuff. Good stuff. He plucks a hair off her head and she, he says, well, it's the only one that was loose. I figured you'd want to have it hunted down and killed. So, <laughs> the teenies. <laughs> exactly. And, and this connects back to that, this lovely bit of writing and acting where she loses her temper with uh, Madame Vastra. Provoked, of course. And Vastra wanted to see if it would happen. When she acknowledges that she's really attractive, you know, she says that her pretty face has turned Vastra's head. <laughs> and well, to her defense, when she got kind of angry, mm -hmm. even Jenny, all of them were like swooned. Yes, yeah. <laughs> even yeah. me, I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, think about it. Jenny was going, "Yes, yes, yes, yes. fire!" No, they. Well, that's it. I mean. It's undeniably true, I think. <laughs> um, um, my wife doesn't enjoy watching Jenna Coleman because she just says she's just she's just supernatural. Just nobody should look like that. You know? um, oh, man. I have the same problem with Jason Momoa. Um, <laughs> Touche. So it's just like, oh, come on. <laughs> but. I, I, it's just it's just a, a masterfully written scene and their performances are so spot on and their chemistry is really yeah. apparent. And it made me wonder, was this the first episode that they filmed together? Mm, because this point. really feels like they've been together. They've been working together a long time. Yeah. Mm. So, again, with my new eyes, I picked up on something maybe or saw this in a way that I don't think we've ever seen before. And the closest that I think I can come to it is Rose with the 10th Doctor. But we saw more so of Rose just not recognizing the Doctor and then accepting the Doctor. But what the way I took this was Clara knows him as the 11th Doctor. Clara has an expectation of from what she knows. He knows that Clara knows him. But I think this regeneration, yes, it made him a little bit manic, but I was seeing frustration a little bit from the doctor. And think of it as a human trait. A lot of times what we do when we are frustrated, we have this uncanny ability to take out our frustrations on the people that we take for granted the most. And I saw some of this banter of him being sort of cold and distant and mean to Clara was in a way just him taking her for granted a little bit because 
he felt like he couldn't. And I don't mean that in a bad way for the doctor. I just saw it as a growing point for the two of them. And maybe mm-hmm. that leads to what we see at the end. But that was just how I saw that entire back well, and I, forth. I think that's a good observation because it is very true, unfortunately true, but that is a that is kind of basic human nature that we we will say things to our uh, partners, spouses, children, parents that we would never say to anybody else. The theory is, and I, I think it's right, that we, we do that because we know we can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I want to know what you guys thought of this, what I'm going to call the deep breath scene. And I'll start first on this one. I love how Moffat can take something so simple, so things that we do every freaking day and just present them in a way that's either terrifying or Mm. pulse pounding or whatever. And she acted the hell out of this scene. (laughs) Walking and I mean, I'm like in my head thinking, oh, wow. How I mean, I'm like holding my breath as she's holding her breath. Mm. And wow, that's that's all I can say. Hands up everybody who tried to hold their breath with her. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Thought it was really good and all the things you said. Now, I did not quite understand the, I'm assuming, premonition she had of the schoolgirl kind of being disgruntled with her. Uh, um, the placement of that really threw me off. And it may be uh, foreshadowing something coming up, but I, I just had no idea where that came from. I had the same question. I thought, what, what, wait, what? Well, I understand that she gets that scene for her to realize that the clockwork guy is just going to threaten and de-escalate. So unless you back up your threat. So like with her being a teacher, you've got a student who's being mouthy. That's right. That's right. Mm. I I had forgotten how the, yeah, that she remembered that she had tried to be in a position of power and she was stymied by the person who just called her bluff. And then mm. she learned from her student that you can do that. You're, you're right. Wow. I forgot what the juxtaposition was. Yes. Yeah, so that she, is so subtle. I didn't. <laughs> so she just she just does it to him. He says, oh, yeah, you're going to kill me? Then go ahead and do it. I would have never put that together. <laughs> oh, geez. Glad I got you guys. It's, 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 it's good. It's good. So my question is, did either of you have any doubt that she would be or he would be there to hold her hand? Mm, no. You know where I'm talking about, where yeah. she's mm-hmm. standing there? Did you have any doubt? None whatsoever. The, the timing makes a pleasant surprise. Well, he had to go change his clothes, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Thank goodness. So a little bit of trivia here. The mask that he was wearing, the original mask that he was supposed to be wearing, someone accidentally ripped and the only mask that they had on scene, this face that he pulls off, is actually a Matt Smith mask. Really? Yep, I've read that. Uh, I don't know how true that is, because the idea was, you know, it just so happened that on screen, even though you really couldn't tell it was Matt Smith mask, the next doctor pulled off a mask of the previous doctor. <laughs> now, maybe that's an urban legend, yeah. but... I did read that. It's actually a Captain Kirk mask, but... Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> William Shatner mask, yeah. Well, Matt Smith and William Shatner don't look alike, so there you no, go. No, they don't. Yeah, I'll just add real quick, a brilliant scene by Clara, though. Um, 
now that I get the meaning why she was so could stand up to this guy so brilliantly. I, I thought it was just a great scene. I thought she didn't back down um, when one avenue was, you know, cut off. She went to, OK, let's let's uh, give a question back to each other. I'll, I'll start. You know, <laughs> you know, I thought the whole way that played out was, was really interesting and really a good moment for for Clara. So let's go back to the restaurant and use it as a background to talk about the clockwork people. Lee, I'll point this to you because you made reference to saying you didn't like the clockworks and then you realized that there was a connection. What did you think of what they did? And this is to both of you, but Lee, if you'll take it first, what did you think of what they did to the dinosaur and what they were doing and the doctor's resolution slash reaction to that. Well, um, because that's basically what the Cybermen do, it's, it, it feels very familiar to us. And, uh, and we, just, we just know that um, it can be easy to forget that the, uh, the Cybermen are scavengers. <laughs> they take parts of people without, you know, the people having the benefit of the people being dead first. We know how the doctor feels about that. So it's it, so we just get an, an opportunity to be extra creepy with it. The dialogue about um, Alfie's eyes is especially troubling. Alfie doesn't know what he's saying, but he says about his his good eyes, it's a gift. And Clockwork Man says, "I accept." <laughs> and we we know what he means. Like, oh, geez, it's interesting. You know, I I, I love robots and robotics, and I love. Uh, uh, automata, you know, uh, the, so Victorian era robots you think would be right up my alley, but it, it is basically the same problem as with the Cybermen. So it feels just sort of derivative without adding too much that's new. Mm, interesting. Just for the look alone, um, I guess when you see the full face, you, you know it's not him. But I kept getting vibes of the great intelligence just because of the wear of the period. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like we're right back here. <laughs> I also got data vibes. I could see that. Something about the nose. Well, there's there's a couple episodes of, of TNG where Data has half his face removed. So um, that or gave the back of his head. Or, yeah. Yep. Yeah, certainly. So I thought that was cool. But I, I thought it was interesting, too, of how this robot is trying to move toward humanity. And they make mention in the episode. It's not a it's not a cyborg. It's not a human trying to be a robot. It's the other way around, which I thought was pretty cool. So I do think the enemy was that actually pretty interesting i did not get the connection to the previous episode at all which i probably should have but yeah and also the the idea that the doc the doctor eventually gets it out of him that he's just tired he's looking for heaven you know Mm -hmm. which i thought was a very very interesting concept to bring up when you know he's he's been living for what he said millions of years at this point right yeah so very interesting yeah, the connection to the uh, the spaceship Madame de Pompadour is uh, is a blink and you'll miss it moment. But and th- I think that's too bad in a number of ways because you want to say, well, there's got to be an explanation for why they're like this. Oh, that's the explanation. Oh, okay, so they're just like that other thing. That uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? We can't mention that spaceship. And reference the girl in the fireplace without giving a big shout out. Hello, Nicole. (laughs) Very true. So there you go. You know, 
I found it interesting that you had these robotic things looking for the promised land. And I will admit that it did make me feel a little uncomfortable with the doctor saying, you know, the superstition of religion. And, you know, I always like my sci-fi and my religion to stay separate. But anyway, I did, I did like them for what they were. You know, I mean, I don't think they were just like blow away bad guys because I don't think they were designed to be. I did love the scene where I'm going to call the broom scene where he's talking and talking about replacing. And if you remove the handle and then if you remove the brush and et cetera and so forth, is it still the same broom? And then you come with this dinner platter that's shiny on both sides. And he comes to the realization that he's basically talking about himself. So yeah. Clarence, what did you think of that? Was that did that stand out to you or, or what were your thoughts? Um, it's just everything you said. I feel like it was a good reference to maybe possibly, I mean, it served for him as well as, as you mentioned a dinner play, but also maybe even for us trying to see Clara's point of view of, of what, of this whole situation that we've been tackling of them coming closer by the end of the episode. I was a little surprised that they didn't go all, all classical with it, but, uh, because that's in, philosophy that's what's called the ship of theseus mm. thought experiment but, um, so this is this goes back to the ancient greeks but the idea is and you know and, and, and historians talk about this kind of thing about uh, houses and all kinds of things but yeah it's like the, the famous ship of theseus if you take the decking out and then you replace the hull and you replace the mast in mm. what sense is it still the ship of theseus mm-hmm and this connects to Star Trek, of course, because many people have raised the same question about the transporter. <laughs> so, mm. and keeping it with Doctor Who, I got the same question about Heaven Sent. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> spoilers, yeah, but but on and on that goes. So, Doctor Who is not gonna not gonna let alone this thing of after you've replaced all the parts, is it the same thing anymore? So then I'll just ask a very simple question: hmm. Did he fall? Or did he push him? He pushed him. Clarence, what do you think? <laughs> I am so torn by this. Because I wanted to make it be one of those cool Captain Kirk moments when Captain Kirk outsmarts the computer mm-hmm. and the computer, you know, either changes or self-destructs or whatever. I wanted to believe it was that, but I just don't know. We know the doctor is here to protect earthlings and the earth people and he would as he demonstrated in the words he was saying, he would go to any links. But then they went the further step of saying, uh, of talking about their na- their nature. You know, what what is the nature of the doctor or of this half man, half robot to do? And they kind of pushed those positions against each other. So I was left <laughs> trying to come to you guys and say, what happened? <laughs> and I think we're really supposed to. I really, I, I like the kind of question mark uh, aspect of, of that that moment. I personally believe the doctor pushed him because he will go to any lengths to protect humanity. But you know, we think about uh, why he was uh, angry with um, Harriet Jones about shooting the Sycorax in the back because yep. that situation, to his mind, had already been dealt with. But th- this is a moment of decision. 
this this is going to keep going on with the with the clockwork people unless somebody does something about it. So spoilers, right? But wait, do we learn what happened? But <laughs> I will say I love the fact that Moffat left it open ended. I'm like Lee. I think he pushed him. I don't know that for sure. And that's what I think is the beauty mm. of it is I could see it both ways and it was presented both ways. Mm. And does it really matter at the end? Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know the answer to it, but I love the fact that we don't know. Mm. So how do you, how do you relate that to his behavior with um, <clears throat> taking the man's clothes? Mm. Dark doctor. Mm. But I'm willing to give him a pass on that <clears throat> because he's still in his post-regeneration you know. mania yeah yeah he's just nuts because our doctor my doctor doesn't say it's more important for me to have to be warm than you you know yeah. <laughs> that's that's not our hero so later on when he's he's become himself again i just can't believe that he would do something that was uh, selfish or would is just just to hurt somebody else so I think I feel like he must be weighing the greater good. Yeah. Yeah. And we also get that he breaks the fourth wall look for a second <laughs> with those angry eyebrows. That's right. Mm. Yeah, don't look in that mirror he tells faster. It's furious. <laughs> I love that. I'll, I'll tell you what I thought here and and as I'm listening to you guys talk and this may be a good episode for us to do at some point, but I recently in my mind mapped out all the doctors that I've seen, who I would travel with from, who who, I, who would I choose at the start or who would I least, which incarnation would I least likely to want to travel with. The way he started at this point of the doctor, he would be down at the very bottom of my list. But by the time he gets to twice upon a time, I think he'd be about number four or five or six. So, you know, he went from the very bottom of the pole, all the, or the pole, you know, like P-O-L-L, to, you know, in the top five, six or seven. So, yeah. so kudos. But let me ask you guys, let's move on. Let me ask you guys about really quickly just the TARDIS interior. And this is probably more a Lee question simply because Lee, I put this question in because I know what I think your answer is going to be. <laughs> well, yeah, this is my favorite TARDIS interior in New Who. So, um, yeah. So, so what a fun reveal that is. Clarence, do you have anything about this particular TARDIS interior? No, he redecorated, and I like it. I do, too. <laughs> How dare you, Claire? I do, too. And, you know, I just wonder where the round things are. You know, I always <laughs> like the round. I wonder where yeah. I put them. Not enough. Not enough. Not enough round things. All right. So anything you guys want to say about Jenny, Vastra, and Strax before I get to the I don't think I know who you are scene? Uh, great as usual. Uh, I adore the scene where... Vastra is painting Jenny as her model. <laughs> and of course she's not painting. She's doing work. Yeah. <laughs> and wow. 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 Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jenny is uh, certainly decorative. And uh, <sighs> Indeed. Well, then, then why am I doing it? 
I don't know, art. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's just a great, art I can appreciate. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's just a great moment. Um, Sherlock Holmes jokes uh, once again abound because uh, we know that uh, there ain't no real Sherlock Holmes. All those things are actually Madame Vastra happening here. And um, Jenny mentions the uh, Conk Singleton forgery case, which is a an, an uh, unrecorded adventure of Sherlock Holmes. It's mentioned in mm. one of the stories, as is the Camberwell poisoner. Mentioned she calls him the, ch- the Camberwell child poisoner, and uh, Vastra's having him for dinner after she's probably literally. Her, yes. <laughs> well, she says, "Don't go in the larder later. It's likely to be noisy." You know. And uh, Vastra takes them out of the house, saying, uh, "The game's afoot." Um, the the copper who's out there on the street with them, the uh, the credits say, is Inspector Gregson, who is also a a, a character in the Sherlock Holmes stories. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, um, Steemo really doubled down on these Sherlock Holmes references here. Just thought I'd mention all those things. Awesome Good stuff. Clara puts back on the costume or the outfit whatever you want to call it that she mm-hmm. had on at the beginning the TARDIS appears she goes in she sees it's redecorated she says she doesn't like it he says I'm the doctor I'm 2000 years old and she says I d- I'm sorry I don't think I know who you are and wants to go or is saying that she wants to go home or is about mm-hmm. to say and she gets a phone call you Clarence Take it away. What did you think of the phone call, the conversation? What happens? Yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> Again, I'm. I feel like this whole episode, they're just maybe trying too hard to make the meta transition for the new Doctor apparent to us. I mean, even the Doctor when they're in the TARDIS, they, he mentions, "I'm not your boyfriend." Maybe it's just me, but I never thought that Clara had the hots like that for Matt Smith, Doctor. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Um, Not as much as we've seen in times past with other companions. So a lot of that talk in this episode from Vastra and even the Doctor then kind of was lost on me. But but that being said, I do feel like the phone call was very touching as far as, you know, this being a timey-wimey show called Doctor Who. I thought it just, it works. It was, you know... As well as me saying that I was, this is mean to say, but I was done with Matt Smith when he left, you know, (laughs) but man, why are you pulling pulling me back in to want to see more stories from him with this? But, but yeah, I I thought it was touching and hopefully the transition that Clara needs to, to get over her uh, apprehension about the the new regeneration. I think I would have really liked this, if not for the gratuitous Amy, whatever that episode was, (laughs) the name of the doctor. So now, and then, you know, meanwhile, we'd had to venture in time and space where Matt Smith turned up in William Hartnell's, <laughs> you know. So this time I was like, oh, please, can we stop doing this? I'm so yeah. tired of of dragging, in, dragging back in these characters that we've said goodbye to. Mm. And we're not done. We're going to do it again. <laughs> so... You know, no, I'm I'm just totally out of patience with it. But and and I say that's too bad because if it was just this one, I think I would have loved it. I can definitely see what you just said, especially the the weird Matt Smith and the day of the time and space story. Yeah. So definitely see that. That being said, I go to your final statement. If it weren't for that, I think you would have loved it because mm-hmm. I did love it. Yeah. I. 
love the fact that in Time of the Doctor, when she walks into the TARDIS, she sees the phone off the hook and puts it on the hook as she's walking in. Now we know why the phone is off the hook. Exactly. Yeah, you know, there, I there love was a, that. There was a real in-story explanation for how that was working. And I, yeah, that, that, that was what I, what I liked about it. The other part that I like about it is she and his conversation, she being Clara, he being the 11th Doctor, that conversation is, in my opinion, what in his subconscious mind gave him the face that he has now because he says, did I get old? Anything but old. Yes, you're gray. So, you you know, you have this this conversation. So you told him that he got older. You told him that he was gray because of what he asked you. So it's by that wibbly wobbliness that he has that face. Timey-wimey. Timey-wimey. That then leads to the conversation that he has after she gets off the phone. But before we get there, I do want to mention where we were talking about Clara, where he says, I'm not your boyfriend. I've always seen that as Clara thinking that he was her boyfriend. Again, I'm seeing this with new eyes. I saw it the opposite. I saw it as him telling himself, I'm not your boyfriend. I may be totally Mm -hmm. wrong, but that's how I saw it this time was he's reminding himself, I was young before. I flirted with you. Mm -hmm. I'm not your boyfriend. Mm. That more so, you know, self-telling, not her telling. I like that. So. Yeah, that 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 makes a lot of sense to me uh, more than the first interpretation that I had gone to. I think you're right. I remember the Clarence and I were laughing about the uh, uh, the scene inside the TARDIS where it appears that the Eleventh Doctor uh, smacks her on the fanny, and we're, <laughs> we're like, did he just do what I think he did? It's it's a little hard to tell in the shot. Well, can you imagine the 12th Doctor doing that? No. You know, so it, it does make sense. What he's saying is, look, new rules, okay? <laughs> We're, this yeah. relationship cannot be what it was before. <laughs> but that doesn't right. change how I feel about you. I may be right. I may be wrong. But that was that was what I took away from it this time. So that being said, I really liked this conversation of when she gets off the phone and it ends with him just saying you know you can't see me can you you look at me and you can't see me please just just see me i loved that and i'm curious to know what you guys think lee take it first oh it it is the the perfect um sort of exclamation mark on the end of the episode and and meta again because he's talking to the audience right yeah yeah it's just it's brilliant it's brilliant and you know of course the performance is pitch perfect because it's and and jenna coleman yes because that that's where i'm saying she did so much with just her eyes yeah Uh, everything you guys said but i do like how it ends with a hug and let's go get some coffee and chips whatever (laughs) (laughs) just coffee coffee so yeah. before we get into the after scene, really, really quick, fetching. What the heck is fetching? Um, what was the context? 
It was, you know, uh, I don't have any money. Well, then you're fetching then. I don't oh. think I'm the fetching type. Oh, if, you're, if we're sitting at the table, then you're going to be the one who goes up to the counter to get it when they... Oh. Uh, okay, okay. Now I get it. I, I had no clue of what fetching was. I mean, that's, that's sort of how I read that. Yeah. Because there, there are other definitions, but none of them make any sense in that context. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah. That makes sense. Now I, yeah. now I understand. Okay. At the end, we see an after scene where he, being the clockwork man, makes it to heaven. Welcome to heaven. Thoughts. Anyone. And we don't know who this lady is, but if we had to guess, we'd call her Scary Poppins. Yes. <laughs> yes. Hello. She refers to him. I hope my boyfriend wasn't mean to you. Yes. So there's the boyfriend mm. thing being used scornfully. Mm hmm. I will say this for a quick, brief moment. I was like, is this a bad regeneration of River? <laughs> mm. Nope. Nope. Because we know where she ends up. So, yeah. Just don't forget, whatever you do, don't forget to say something nice. Oh, God. And the best way to say something nice is our favorite scene. Clarence Brown, favorite scene. Uh, mine is going to be the doctor's uh, breakdown about the room at the very beginning, uh, where he says, uh, who inverted this room? It, it doesn't make any sense. Looks like it's got a, it's only got a bed in it. <laughs> Why is there only a bed in it? Right. Because it's a bedroom. It's for sleeping in. What do you do when you're awake? Leave the room. Leave the room. <laughs> awesome. Lee oh. Shackelford. Favorite scene. Oh, um, the the um, the whole conversation with the doctor and Clara and uh, Mancini's restaurant. This is more important than your egocentrism. Yeah. Nothing's more important than my egos. Runner up is uh, Strax is a medical examination, which is a <laughs> cool effect of uh, seeing her uh, her rib cage and everything just sort of mm. ghosted there. Yes. Uh, I, I just love that's just a nice little touch. Uh, note, please, that the scan of Clara's subconscious shows lots of muscular young men doing sport. <laughs> is that I think sport? That's sport? It could be I sport. I think it's sport. She mm. makes you wonder what. What, he's what kind of something is she watching? <laughs> exactly. It could be sport. Yes. Lots of muscular young men. <laughs> and, and let me add the scene where Clara gets striked in the head with the paper from Strax. <laughs> oh, that's that funny. That made me a laugh. A cheap laugh, but it's all, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shall I send it up? Sure. <laughs> and you knew it was coming, but it was delivered so well. Yes. So, my favorite, so my favorite scenes... And I'm not going to go into them. I'm just going to say what they are. The call and can't see me. Welcome to heaven and the opening scene. Those are all three my favorite scenes, which, of course, we've all talked about. My favorite quote, I'll start with that. Favorite quote would be the, you can't see me, can you? You look at me and you can't see me. Please just, just see me. Love that. And of course, since Lee brought to everyone's attention, which I'm so glad you did, that I start every one of our chats typing in, well, here we go again. So those are my favorite quotes. Clarence Brown, favorite quote. Mine is a conversation between Jenny and um, Clara, where Clara says, it's just 
Jenny, what? Nothing. If Vastra changed, if she was different, if she wasn't the person you like, Jenny, I don't like her, ma'am. I love her. <laughs> yes. Love it. Lee Shackelford. I have so many favorite lines from this episode. It's a wonderfully quotable, you know, thought-provoking script. But uh, to pluck one out at random, I just love this. My time machine got stuck in your throat. It happens. I brought you along by accident. That's mostly how I meet girls. <laughs> but don't worry. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Final rating. Lee Shackelford, final rating. What give it? I did have some trouble with uh, the pace of the last half of it and uh, just sort of the, the mechanical people in general. But I would still give it four and a half muscular young men doing sport. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Clarence Brown. We'll melt him with acid. <laughs> no, we will not melt him with acid. <laughs> Clarence I'm, Brown. I'm, I'm going to give 4.5 um, eggs that the dinosaur spits up. <laughs> Ooh, Is that what one. you got from that? Is that really? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Your knowledge of biology concerns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Go. All right, 4.5s, okay. For the fact that I changed my mind about Clara, I cannot give this anything less than five psycho Mary Poppins out of five because guess what? From this moment forward about <laughs> Clara, I will say something nice. Yes. Well, at least take a deep breath before you say anything. Ooh. Indeed. Ooh, good comeback, <laughs> sir. Well done. <laughs> But you know what is a good comeback is for everyone listening. We hope that you enjoyed. Let us know what you thought about this episode. Did you like our views? Did you disagree? And 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 what else? Well, we hope you come back and listen to our next episode because we will continue along the 2014 or Series 8 series of Doctor Who. So as always, we will be back next time. You've been listening to The Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com. 